Hello. You didn't think we'd stay away for too long, did you? Tonight we officially relegated Preston North End to the third best Preston in the country, after Preston from the Ordinary Boys and our guests this evening. Joining us from the sunny Isle of Crawley, it's Preston Bloody Johnson. Join us as we go down the rabbit hole that is NFTs and glorious beard grooming tips. It's the lower league look. 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 Guys and girls, we're here with, I didn't, I'll clap, I'll clap, don't worry. Preston, I clap at the beginning of every episode, it became a thing. The only people who've ever mentioned it are Grant and Chris, so I don't know why I still do it, but I do it. Welcome to a special pre-season episode of the Lower League Look. We're joined tonight, very special guest, we have Preston Johnson, co-owner of Crawley Town, Wagner United, and we're going to get into both of those. Preston, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys, I appreciate it. Not a problem. And then we've got Grant and Chris, you know them. I'm not introducing them. It's not worth it. Um, Cheers. Thank you. So people who watched before will notice we've got a new little overlay. I've spent three days on this, which shows how bad I am at Photoshop because this took me three days. But we we got to where we wanted to be and we're, we're good to go for a new season. And we're starting it by speaking to the, the newest owners in League Two. And we've got a lot of questions from Crawley fans. And the reason we wanted to do this, we wanted to take a different approach to how Crawley Town is looked at currently. When owners come in, they're asked the same questions. We're going to ask some of those questions because, you know, we have to. But there's going to be another side of things. We want to get to know Preston. We want to know things about Preston that he's not been asked before because the fans don't really know you as a person. They just know that you're a a title within the, the club. So... Grant, you've got questions there in terms of asking about pers- his personal side of things. I know you've got a very good one about his beard. I mean, I'm so, not getting like st- stupidly like personal, personal here, Preston. No, no, we're not, not really. Like, they're not really. Yeah, we're personal. not, like, we're not, we're not getting very personal with you, man. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this guy fired before the first game of the season. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose, first of all, before we go into it, how, how have you found your first sort of few months? Sure. It's, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. We were expecting a lot of unexpected things, especially the big one that was thrown at us nine days after we acquired the club, which made us panic for our new manager search, which ended up being a complete positive for the club. We're really excited about the future. We think Kevin and Dan, you know, they play a style of football and and embrace analytics in a way that, uh, you know, puts us in, we think gives us the best chance of actually winning and getting promoted. So like everything is lining up. We're a little behind as far as, or at least we were playing catch up previously, trying to you know prepare for preseason and getting friendlies and fixtures set up. Even like the season ticket pricing that just came out last week, uh, we wanted to spend some time on that. Listen to the fans, listen to Kevin and Dan about their thoughts before we made some like actual concrete decisions. I will say one thing: I'm not sure how often you have guests that are American and use the word soccer that come on your guys's podcast or show and correct you. But I believe we're not the newest owners or the most recent owners in League Two. But Walsall was actually yes. since us, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And those are also American owners that I think are out of like Alabama or somewhere in the south, the Travella group. So I just want to give them some love. You can't forget about the other American group that is now in League Two. Right. Let's cut and start again. No, yeah, let's start again. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as I started to say, I was thinking, they're not. Yeah, they are. They are. There's no, we've not, I've not missed anything. It's all and, good. We, the thing is, we, we like Walsall. We, well, Chris loves Walsall. <laughs> Chris can't actually say Walsall. I, 
yeah, I really struggle with it. So I say Walsall because I can't actually uh, say Wal Walsall. It's really difficult for me to say. So <laughs> no I think it is. Yeah. So you, you mentioned there there's been a lot of things you expected and a lot of things you, you didn't expect. We'll get the obvious elephant in the room out of the way. You you did you did sort of allude to it. Nine days in, you were looking for a new manager. Grant, I know you've had that question passed to you. I'm going to steal it unless you want to read it, which is about... No, 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 no I'm more than happy. So just to let you know, it's one of the... We've, I put a message out on one of the Crawley Town message boards, just seeing if any fans had any questions. I know you've had your fans forum with them as well. Just to see if there's any other questions that Crawley fans kind of well, want answers. There's a few that have came up, some football-related, some moonshine-related, and this is one of them, and it kind of leads really nicely into, into this question, Liam. So yeah, fire away. Um, so, yeah, the, the question was regarding John Yems and the situation, and it, it, it's just quite simple, really. When when can fans expect to see an end to that? And when the end comes, will the conclusions be made public? Will it be something that the fans will be aware of what's happened, or is it going to be a case of it's done, we're moving on, and the fans don't really find out? And I know that that's probably out of your control somewhat. Exactly. Yeah, but, but, it's, but, it's up to the FA ultimately, and we just need to be as patient with them to conduct and conclude their investigation before they either publicly give a verdict or not. I'm not sure what their exact plan is as far as comms and PR, but ultimately, you know, they told us a while back that it was going to take some time. They wanted to do a full investigation, and we needed to move on as a club and turn the page and get ready for preseason and everything else. And like, we just couldn't wait on the FA either. So we had to make a decision that was best for us. And we're excited about the future, but hopefully, you know, it isn't too much longer before people have actual answers because, you know, we did hear just in general, you know, as, as English football has a culture and if like, if it's a problem, you know, if it's sensitive, it's tough to discuss and talk about, but it's something that, you know, needs to be addressed if it is a real problem or an issue anywhere. And that's part of what our job is now here at Crawley town as owners is, to instill a culture of inclusivity and whether it be on the pitch or off. And, and so that's something that's going to be one of our priorities moving forward. 100%. So that's, that's good. At least we've got that out of the way and we can, we can just focus on other sure, things. So, no problem. So, so Grant, Chris, questions. Grant, do you want to go into finding a little bit about Preston? Do you want to, do you want to ask him those questions? I know that you had, you had questions, not just what people had sent you, you had questions of your own. It's been really yeah, we weird have... my inbox because Grant has been sending me questions <laughs> and they've not <laughs> been reading them like Grant, I I'm I don't know the answers to these. <laughs> these and I don't really feel too comfortable asking him about his beard. But Grant How can you ahead. not feel comfortable asking no, a guy about on. his beard? I just I don't know because look at his beard and look it's at incredible. my beard. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, definitely... it's an incredible beard. I, I don't think Thank there'll you. be a better. I don't think there'll be a better beard in this league. No, <laughs> that, I, that's I think... a hub. If if I make my mark in anything, it's my beard game. <laughs> it was elite, world class. Yeah. So, how do you style your beard? What do you do at your beard? That is that is question number one from me. <laughs> Sure. You need to you need to shampoo it every time you're showering. Keep it clean. Can't let this thing start smelling. I use an oil usually every morning before I like comb it, and then I just like brush it to kind of even it out and get it trimmed every every two months maybe or so. Otherwise, I start looking really homeless. It starts growing sideways, <laughs> and like and so I have to keep kind of keep it you know trim within reason. But yeah, a lot of people ask like how long it took to grow it out. The initial, I don't know, it's probably been. 
eight years now, but the initial time it took just under a year, it's about 11 months where I really was like, holy cow, I could, you know, I had a beard that's like this. I've just basically maintained it since. 11 months, 33 years. This. Yeah, you're, you're going to get there one day. <laughs> I don't think I am. This is the problem. <laughs> it, mine grows out from the start. It starts here and grows outwards and then it flops. Oh, I've, oh I've really? Managed, I've managed to get it quite long, certainly in lockdown. I had it down to about here, so it's about what? Are we still talking about your beard? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I, I listen, I've got beard straighteners. I don't know if you've... I don't oh, you've, no. Yeah, I've got some beard straighteners. It's just a, it's just a heated comb. Yeah. yeah. And that was great. That's intense. So, you, I mean, you took this seriously then when you were oh, yeah. giving it a, a real run. Yeah, that's This good. has not gone how I thought it was going to go. <laughs> this is really not where I thought tonight was going to go. However, if we want to start a beard grooming, we've got four stages of beards here. Do you guys have a sponsor yet? Whoever does the beard straighteners should probably be on board yeah, here. We've given we them so much publicity. Yeah, that's right. We don't have one yet. This is our lookout for this season is to try and find a sponsor. You know what would be podcast. great? Because at least two of you, I believe, are Bradford fans. I think I think Wagner United should sponsor your guys' podcast. That's what I think. I'm not sure if you guys yeah. can get that through, but there's always a number. Uh, yeah, there's so a, I don't yeah, know what that number mean, is. I mean, that is, that is a definite, definite thing that can be done. Yeah. Um, okay. I, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk that. after you end the recording. <laughs> we can talk tonight after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. sounds good to me. <laughs> um, so, so can I, aside from beards, so tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, what you've done prior to Wagme United. Just tell us a bit informally about who you are. Sure. So I, I grew up in Southern California near Los Angeles. I I'm the oldest of four, so I'm in a, a pretty big-sized family. My dad worked in the music industry, Hollywood, L.A. So from there, I went to school. I actually studied sports psychology. I have a master's degree in sports psychology, and I had always anticipated doing – if you work in the psychology field at all, you usually have to go get your Ph.D. just to get a job that's anything at least decent that pays well. In the midst of all that, I started – so I, I was I was pretty good at math growing up but didn't want to study math. Maths, I believe, would be the correct way to say it here. I decided to go with psychology. I was like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to save a bunch of lives. Like pretty arrogant, like egotistical, like 19-year-old when I was choosing what I wanted to do at university. Uh, but I, I started playing online poker when it was booming in like 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. Like, so my background actually is in like gambling. From there, when it became illegal to play online poker, I, I did pretty well for a while. But in America, they, they nixed it. And I had this poker bankroll. And so then I actually started betting on sports. And it took me probably about two years to get to a point where I was building models and putting together like algorithms to make projections for American football and basketball and baseball. And I would compare those to the markets and, and, and bet the discrepancies. And I did fairly well there. So I ended up, I, I dropped out, didn't do my PhD. I finished my master's degree, but then I just concentrated on, on betting and did that for about 12 years total. Once things started getting legalized more in the United States on the betting front, I had ESPN reach out and say, hey, we want like a younger analyst to break stuff down on TV. We're launching this new show. Would you do that? So I had the chance to do work with ESPN as a TV analyst, breaking down sports betting for two years. And then when that contract ended last year in February, this entire like NFT boom, it's kind of kicked in. And I had jumped in the year prior and realized just how much opportunity there was. And I wanted to just do something different. Like sports were great, but I thought there was a, a real chance of 
of like building a, a, a cool new brand or concept and, and utilizing the blockchain technology, whether it be in sports or, or, or something else. And so I left in February, I left ESPN and in March started a, a company called Pixel Vault, which had a ton of success since we ended up launching our first project that I, I co-created called Punk's Comic in May. And then from there, I kind of started building a network and making a name for myself in the whole Web3, NFT, crypto space. And then the, the co-director, Evan Smith, met him at a dinner. He, he, he knew me from Pixel He actually knew of me anyways prior from betting. And he just is like, hey, we got to do you know, what, what everyone's doing with these NFT communities online and building these remote digital communities and, and businesses. Like no one's done it for a sports team yet. He's like, are you in? Like, we, we got to do this. You're the guy. You're the perfect guy to, to partner up with me for this. And so I just was on the phone and I said, yes. <laughs> and then it just was like, all right, let's talk to our friends and put together some money and find the best club. And from there, initially, it's like you can't get into an American sport. It's like you need billions of dollars, right? There's no mm-hmm. real entryway. And there's also no way to get in lower and work your way up, right? Promotion relegation in English football is brilliant. Like you can actually get in at any entry level. You know, we chose League Two as kind of the minimum viable entry point to to still matter, but then try to work your way up. But like in, in America, you actually have teams losing on purpose at the end of the NBA and NFL seasons because they get a better draft pick for the upcoming year. And in the last half, the product's just horrible for the back half of those seasons. Whereas here, if you're going to get relegated, like the pressure is beyond what even sometimes promotion could be or a playoff. So it's, it's just incredible. It's a great product here. So that was immediately returned to, to English football. And then from there, I think we ended up speaking to nine clubs and ended up landing on Crawley after a long process. But that was that was kind of the gist of, of my background through that kind of crazy year and a half, I guess, since I left ESPN and started doing stuff in Web3. That's really interesting. You know, obviously you mentioned about your sports background and to be honest, that was something I, I wasn't aware of. But why English football? Why not I don't know, elsewhere? What was it about the draw and, you know, the opportunity for League Two? What was that about? Why? I think so. Part of part of our our thesis is is like this, like this feeling of an underdog story. Right. Like if you go into League Two and there's a world and everyone will laugh, but like in 15 or 20 years, Crawley Towns in the Premier League, like that's a pretty crazy underdog story, right? Mm-hmm. So that opportunity to take this technology that allows for remote communities and fan bases to potentially attach them to Crawley Town FC and have them tell this story with us over the years to to be a part, be along for the ride. That that was just it's just a feeling and an opportunity that we just like couldn't pass up on. And so obviously there's a high correlation to NFT users and Americans. Obviously, from there, there's a high correlation to Americans and speaking English. If we had gone to Portugal to buy a club, we maybe would have a better chance of getting into the Champions League right out of the gate, right, like a few years in. But most people aren't going to understand, like, the games if they're streaming them online internationally or reading press or doing content. Like, so the English part made sense for that, where our fan base and, – and, and globally, English is a, you know, a language that a lot of countries speak anyway. So to be honest, that was a big piece of it as well. And the price point made sense. It, was, it wasn't you know too extraordinary for our group to, to make an investment here. And, and so it kind of everything just kind of stacked up to, to make the perfect setup. So you, you one thing that I think you've definitely made a head on is obviously the jumping into League <laughs> 2, when I think you've 100% made a step on a certain Canadian owner, Mr. Ryan Reynolds, and buying a club in the National League because that is just... I take it you looked at the National League and seen that it's just a horrible, horrible league to achieve promotion. Really hard. <clears throat> yeah. 
Did you guys watch the Grimsby match? It was insane. Yeah. 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 Cool game. We, it was um, crazy, but they, all of that just to not even get promoted anyway. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's really hard. Now they got to wait a whole other year, maybe two, right? Maybe three. It's it's tough. And that that's that's why I think English football is is different to the, the other. Like obviously, we mentioned the likes of, of Portuguese football, but none of us support Grimsby. None of us support any of the the, the teams that are in those leagues. But we all watch it, and the numbers of people that watch them. Even the people that support Premier League teams, they will still tune in to watch teams further down the tables and further down the pyramid, which it's it's good. It's very, very good. You find a lot of people have two teams, which I don't like, but, you know, it happens. So yeah. you mentioned the group that you put together. Who's a part of that group? Who Who is who is that? Because there's so many names that are abandoned about online. Who's actually part of Wagner United? Sure. So there's there's actually our, our new like kind of micro site will be going live six or seven days, I think. There's going to be like a big banner there of everyone that's a part of Wagme United, whether it's like an entity or, or an investment firm or an individual. And so I'll, I'll kind of let people have to sit on all of the names that are attached. You've heard some of them in, you know, in the media and press that are. And, and so they'll be on there as well. But I kind of want to make people wait because we're doing this big kind of rollout in a week where we're going to start hyping up and and building some content that's related to it. So um, yeah, sorry, I'm just going to, just going to leave it for that. But the, I will say this. Can you confirm if I throw a name? Is Gary V involved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary's involved. That's that's, that's enough for me. I I love that guy. Gary's, Gary's the best. He's like a business genius, but he also loves sports. He was, big into nfts the last year and a half and just the blockchain tech and also build on just excuse me big on building communities and just finding a way to to include and 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 grow together and like his you know for him i think he's gone on record saying he wants to buy the new york jets one day the jets are going to cost him a lot of money he's going to get there one day too but this is just like a nice little entry point for him to kind of see how would a club full of you know crypto and web three owners as well as some other sports business people like how would they run it how, how are they going to do things differently we want to be more open and transparent let our fans actually make some of the decisions just actually take their suggestions and, and change them like the season ticket one right where they look it's like the tickets are too much money and we're like really oh wow they really actually are the av- the highest average in league two for ticket pricing it was Crawley town fc last year and they have the fewest fans in the whole league so like let's let's find a, a balance but uh, so i think for him it was a, a good opportunity to just kind of for one, you know, I'd known him prior with the stuff I did with Pixel Vault, and he was an extremely big help as far as us getting our feet off of the ground. And so I think he just kind of wanted to be involved in this as well. He's a sports fan, but I, I also think there's a, you know, there's a few people in our group that are just intrigued to see how this plays out because they're already you know attached or a part of other sports teams in America or potentially in other countries. And if there's something they can gather or learn in, in our process and in what we do that they can use for their own teams or clubs, then I think that's that's kind of part of the the reason that some of these bigger names are are, are involved. And that for me was I, I remember back in December when there were, there was discussions around Wagme United and, and Bradford City. The first article that came out, like we said, we didn't really know much about yourself, especially over here in America. It may be different, but over here, mm-hmm. the, the the crypto network it's not a big thing. But Gary V is one that I knew, and I'd seen what he'd done. And I remember saying to, I think it was to, to these guys, if crypto is going to work in football, these are the guys that are going to make it work. 
you know, Gary V being involved for me is a a key indicator that this is a serious thing, and that that's where I sort of yeah for me. I, I think- no, I appreciate that. Like a lot of fans, Crawley Bradford, just EFL in general, like they don't think a few steps down, right? Like they're like, oh my gosh, crypto, they're scared. They don't even want to like consider it. But you went a few steps further, so thank you, Liam. I mean, usually, like, <laughs> oh wait. Gary V's actually had some success. He's if there's if it's going to work, like having him involved, it, it makes a ton of sense. So I appreciate your. It wasn't even due diligence, but at least some sort of due diligence. Well, it's, it's, it's that yeah. thing of you see online that so many people that are you know YouTube personalities and things like that that if they're looking to invest, they go to Gary V. You know, mm-hmm. they work with Gary V, and that's where. So he knows what he's doing. And that was always my thing. He, I've, I've watched what he's done. Even the little things where you see him going around to what you call, we call car boot sales, you call yard yeah. sales, and him, him picking something up for, for $30 and immediately in his head he knows, I'm going to sell this later today for $400. Like mm-hmm. He can do that. And that attitude is, if it's going to work, this is what it is. This is the way. Grant, I know you've got a question about the the NFT model and about... We, what we want you to do, and this sounds really bad, but we're, you know, we're football fans. We're not the most intelligent people in the world. Can you dumb it down for people? You know, what would you? People hear crypto and they get scared. They hear NFT, they get scared. Can yeah. you dumb down? Grant Grant doesn't know. Grant I, doesn't I've know been. <laughs> we, me and Liam and Chris, we've had countless discussions. I'm since you guys have entered the kind of league two scene. Ranging from Liam being on one side, me being on the other, Chris being very on the fence, yeah, and it's 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 made for some interesting interesting sure. discussion. So it would be good to have an idiot's guide for any of you, any of your Crawley fans, for me to what this is and what this will mean and how it will correlate to Crawley yeah. Town and football. So I will I will give you guys two different answers. The first will just be a very broad version of what NFTs and blockchain technology are. And then the second will be how the NFTs themselves correlate to Wagmu United and Crawleytown FC and, and what our general plan is there without giving too many details, which will be more known in a week or two. So first, you guys have heard of blockchain technology. You hear all the words like, oh, they're mining coins and tokens. And then there's like a ledger. And like, really the, the idea is that a lot of the things that we do day-to-day or we used to do day-to-day can be verified on chain without a third party, right? It's the whole idea and ethos of decentralization. And so NFTs themselves, which stand for non-fungible tokens, right? A lot, a lot of the last year and a half, the craze was behind art. It was digital art that was verifiable on the blockchain. It's like, if you have this, it's in your wallet on the blockchain, it means you own it, right? If you have a picture of the Mona Lisa and then there's 20 copies in their physical versions. They all look the exact same. Only one person actually has the real one. Blockchain technology would tell you and prove quite literally which one was real. And so digitally, it just makes that process a lot simpler as far as fakes, this and that. Um, from there, there were a lot of these communities. You've heard of some of the crazy ones like Board Ape Yacht Club, potentially, if you've Googled around or searched a little bit that were built on these JPEG, just digital art pictures that look really like elementary when it's all said and done, right? It's like, how is this worth this much money? But it's it's really like what that JPEG or what that NFT represents and what it gives you access to. And it's almost like a status or, or part of your persona in this like subset community of the world or, or, or online. 
from there, we're now going to what we're trying to do with Wagner United and Crawley Town Football Club. The easiest way to think about what our NFTs will be are like virtual season tickets. Okay, our, our, our NFTs, when people get them, they're going to get you a shirt, right? They're going to get you a scarf, potentially a hat or socks, like just different items of merch. All right, they're going to give people internationally a discount on the, the streaming to actually watch Crawley Town football games. Okay, they're going to also give those people that own the NFTs unprecedented access to content, like maybe live streaming uh, a training session each week or sitting in a room with the coach and me and like a data scientist and, and discussing, you know, and analyzing the upcoming opponent once a week. Like just little things like that are actually accessible through the blockchain technology itself. If you have the NFT, it's a token gated, all right, you own it. Now you can come see this training session or have this AMA with this player or watch this session with the coach and, and Preston and the, and the analytics team, whatever it may be. So that's like just a few of the ideas that, that we're considering. But ultimately it also is going to be actual governance and a voting mechanism where people can help make decisions, right? And, and so all of those things are just attributed to holding that NFT. And so the focus there is that like we have this remote fan that we want to f- make feel like they're here in Crawley Town and it's their team. They have a team to root for every Saturday. And in order to do that and keep them engaged, the NFT is like that pipe or that connection between the remote fan and the club here locally. So hopefully that kind of helps articulate because I think a lot of people see like Liverpool tried to sell 175,000 NFTs to their own fans. And it's like, what is this? Like you guys try to sell us stuff every year, all the time. What does it even get me? And they're 99.9% of them don't even want the NFT anyway. They only sold 9,000. Everyone looks at it as like a complete flop. We're like quite literally doing the reverse. We're bringing a football club, professional football club to NFT fans. People that already are into that that space. You don't have to worry about us selling out 100. We're not going to sell 175,000 anyway, but that's like a crazy number. But regardless, like like the sentiment is just completely reversed. And so that's why when big clubs like Liverpool or others, even in America, have tried to sell NFTs, they're just cash grabs, right? They just come off yeah. or at least look like they're cash grabs. And so that's what we need to try to help implement and kind of set a precedent within sport and this whole Web3 culture that there's there's ways to do it that you know benefit then if we have this extra revenue source coming internationally, we put that money into the wage bill and sports science and infrastructure and training facilities in the community. And then the people here actually are like, holy cow, this is amazing. Now we have, we actually have a potential shot at moving up and doing it the right way and being sustainable. So that's like the whole, whole strategy and, and how those all connect. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much answers one of the questions that one of the fans came in is how are you actually looking to grow the fan base abroad? And it looks to be through that because you have mentioned that you're looking to grow a global fan base for Crawley Town. Exactly. We want to attach the current one to the new fans that we can bring in. And if we're able to do that, then if you live here, like, again, we were confident we could lower season ticket prices by a third. And, you know, revenue wise, we're still going to be in good shape as a club or as an ownership group. Can we so they're already seeing the benefits, tickets, by the way. Right. Yeah. We just oh, commend you for the season ticket oh, deal. Thank you. Your yeah, season yeah. ticket yeah, deal incredible. is. Phenomenal. We've been going on at the end of last season when season ticket prices were coming out. Obviously, we're in a cost of living crisis here in the UK. People are struggling to afford to heat their homes. And some clubs are still putting the cost of their season tickets up. What you have done is go completely against the grain and make things more affordable for fans to come in. It sounds from what you've said so far, you are giving them more 
yeah. from this season ticket deal. So I, I really want to go on record and completely commend you guys for what you have done with that. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's great, Grant. I appreciate that. And it's, I'll say it's a little painful with these guys over this way, I think, that are Bradford fans, because whenever we post something about season tickets, they're like, all right, well, talk to us when you have 12,000 season ticket holders. Uh, <laughs> what, like, I will say to you, what I will say but, to you is you should – like, the, that's not just specific to you. That That is – it doesn't matter who oh, yeah. hosts that. Bradford fans – just crush love, everybody. Yeah, yeah I yeah. love this. I love this club, but at times we have – some of the they worst like fans. We, we do have the sometimes some of the worst fans because it, here's the thing. Yeah, fine. We had twelve and a half thousand season tickets last season. It's fantastic for League Two, but you finished two yep. places higher than us. Yeah, and that, <laughs> it's and true. that yeah. So what did it get us? It got us twelve and a half thousand really angry fans. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it kind of it's great when it's going well. It's not so great when it's when it's. It's going poorly. It's but... a lot more pronounced either direction, depending on. We were... I, it actually doesn't bug me at all. I, just to be clear, I don't actually care. I think people like they make a good point. It's like, okay, you're right. Like you sell a lot more season tickets, but I always love when the Crawley fan re-responds underneath, and they're like, "All right, what were the scores of the games last year? Where did we finish <laughs> on the table?" So um, yeah. it's a nice little rivalry that's building. So hopefully, well, um, I don't know if you know, there's there's actually there's been one big event in the last. I think it was 2015 between yes. Bradford and Crawley. There Which was yeah. a game at at Valley Parade, and I think Crawley won two one. And at full time, I want to say an eleven man brawl. Chris, yeah, it? it was roughly about that. Oh, was wow. there six um, or seven players sent off? Yeah. So it was. It was it's not just. When people talk about brawls in football, it's usually a little bit of pushing and shoving, shirt pulling. This was fists flying. This was bad. Intense, yeah. Yeah, and at the preview, the, the manager, Steve Evans, at the time, uh-huh. yeah. he ended up getting banned from the stadium. <laughs> oh, so, really? All together? Wow. Yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll talk about that after we stop recording. Yeah, we we'll, we'll, we'll see how long it takes before I'm banned from the stadium, too. <laughs> you, you know, you, you <laughs> You're not going to do the same thing. <laughs> Probably I not. I think the only... Definitely think, not. <laughs> Yeah, you you definitely won't be doing the same thing, <laughs> but you know it, it's it, it is a bit of a rivalry, and I quite like it. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you; I do quite like it. I do like that the because we don't really have any rivals as as such in terms of, especially locally. Yeah, so yeah. you guys being a bit further afield, yeah, there is that, but it's it's nice to have, I suppose, that that rivalry. Otherwise, it'd be boring. You know, we don't have a rivalry with Hartlepool. Grant supports Hartlepool, so now we have a rivalry with Hartlepool because I don't want to see his team beat my team. And this season, Grant came to Bradford to watch Hartlepool and Bradford, and he had to sit in the Bradford stand with me, and Hartlepool won 3-1, and he couldn't celebrate. And then <laughs> when we played them at Hartlepool, I had to sit in the Hartlepool end with Grant, and Bradford won, so I couldn't celebrate. So we just ended up neither of us celebrating. Up Grant's seen my team more this season than his own, which yeah, is pretty a, much. A oh wow, pretty <laughs> much. See, go, see, going back a little bit to decisions that you mentioned that NFT holders will be able to to make. What sure. sort of decisions are they able to make? I had a concern. One fan put in a question saying, "Is it things like players or tactics that they would be able to decide?" I wouldn't have thought that would have been the case. I, but what sort of decisions sure. are we looking at that, that the NFT holders would be able to make? So 
we have to be like realistic, right? Like you're right. Like we can't just have people voting every week who the 11 is like, it just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Yeah. We have Kevin Betsy now to make that decision. And we're going to be extremely confident in his process and in the way he wants to play. What is interesting is you've had now getting a little bit more technical, these fan tokens are like socios. You've maybe heard of socios. If you've Googled around, maybe you guys haven't, you should check after this, but it's some sort of like fan token representation for different clubs, bigger clubs, and they allow you to vote on certain things, but it's sometimes it's like Pepsi or Coca-Cola. It's like, in the end, do you care if you're at the stadium rooting on your club, if you're drinking Pepsi or Coca-Cola? Probably not that much. So we want to make them um, have access to decisions that actually impact, to some degree, the, the, the way we play or, the, or, or the, the players that are on the pitch, and so or the fan experience at a, at a more macro level. So one, one example that I'm pretty confident we'll, we'll probably do, I can't guarantee it just because it's a little further off, but... For example, we're going to see once the season starts, we'll have a few months before the January transfer window. We'll see where the club's at, but we might go to the to the fans here. When I say giving them access to, to voting rights or, or governance, like we want the season ticket holders to have just as much weight as the NFT holders potentially. You know, it's one thing that we've discussed. We're like, all right, if if they're equal, you know, then everyone gets to decide together. It's a collaborative process. But going back to January, call it end of December, we do a vote. It's like where should we spend we have this much allocated for for the january transfer window call it three hundred thousand pounds where should we spend the three hundred thousand? should it be on offense or like you know up front with strikers forwards should it be with the midfield should it be with center backs in the defense should it be a keeper right like we can actually then have them vote on decisions or or options that we're okay with as a as an ownership group but as a team and kevin's okay with regardless right so it might be 50 percent for a striker, which pro- everyone wants to see goals. So that's probably going to be the answer people vote on anyway. But also if we're doing a good job of proposing and saying like, hey, look, we're scoring the fourth most goals in the league by giving up the fourth most, well, then we should probably improve defensively, right? So like maybe we should be putting 67% of that budget towards defense, but we're going to let the community decide and they'll all be levels that we're okay with either way, depending on, on where they vote. And so it's something like that where, if they are saying that they have an actual impact on a decision that's going to help or hurt their club. I mean, the stakes are pretty high at that point. Like it's an intriguing proposition. Mm -hmm. And so that's one example. We're going to try to find a few others over the course of each season where they have a real say in something that isn't just like fan experience, small items. Yeah. Preston, I just want to ask you, I mean, you kind of sort of answered it a little bit, but I want to talk about the, traditionalists so maybe it's even people who maybe not even computer savvy or tech savvy how do you breed how do you give them confidence that you guys aren't just going to go away with you know say for instance you're going to use it all this way how how do you prove to them that they have their you know their voice will be heard you mean when you say traditionalists, you mean like the local community, the local fans? Yeah, so they might be the ones who are not going to get involved with the NFTs. That you know, they are the season ticket Got holders. It. They, they, yeah. Understood. Yep. So yeah, that, you're totally right because we don't want to disregard those people, right? And so one thing that I think is important, which we actually it's on our plans after I get back from we leave for for Spain tomorrow for a quick conference in in Madrid for transfer room. We wanted to you know represent Crawley Town there, so me and one other person are headed there. We'll be back Friday, but next week we actually want to start meeting with locals and, and put together a fan council. But it's not just like a fan council where you say you have a fan council and you meet once every two months or three months and no one actually gets anything done. We want to have 
maybe once a week or at least once every two weeks where we kind of have who are the five to seven or eight most influential fans in Crawley mm. that we think can make a difference and are hearing, you know, from all of their friends and family, things that need to be done or things that we can change and make impactful differences. And so we want to put together that fan council so that, yeah, it's, it's like, if you're a traditionalist, you don't know anything about NFTs, or maybe you don't even have a season ticket. You don't have access to a lot of the decision-making. The fan council is going to be the one that helps us put a lot of these concepts and mold the, the, the questions that we bring to the fans in the first place. And so that's, that's one thing that we're going to do that I think will be extremely helpful, but, and it's easy to just talk and say, you're going to do it. Right. But like one thing we've just recognized since coming over here is how often people say we're going to do fan engagement or, or like put together a fan council, then they never actually do it. And I'm like, we're actually going to, that's one thing I want to promise to the Crawley town fans. And one thing, again, we have a lot to do still, and there's a lot with this preseason running, but we got a lot of interesting feedback from when we did a Twitter spaces after we hired Kevin and Dan, and we just discussed publicly our interviewing process for the new manager position, why we went with Kevin and Dan, and like even into specific metrics and style of play and tactically what we were looking for and things that you know Kevin said that really stood out to us. We, we, we basically went and just did it all open book out in the open for any fan or anyone online that wanted to listen. And afterwards we had two reporters, one that doesn't even like us that said, (laughs) Hey, that was really, really interesting and entertaining. And then we had fans saying, Hey, are you going to do that again? That was a really cool inside look. And so it's stuff like that, where if we're interacting and engaging with the fans, we're being honest about how we say we're going to be transparent and open, then they're going to, you know, we're going to win them over. They're going to be on our side and then they're going to see the, the things that they bring to the table actually being implemented. And, you know, they can actually see it impact their community and club. I came into this space when it was on. I think I came oh, on nice. kind of halfway through, and yeah, I thought it was really good. The transparency, transparency from you guys was was phenomenal. I was, it's a breath of fresh air to hear it from an owner of a club coming Thank out you. and saying, "Look, what we look at is we look at the things like your XG, the percentage of where we're playing on the pitch, we want to push forward, play on the front foot." And that was one of the big things that made you look at at Kevin promoting youth throughout the team mm-hmm. because he's had a big look in. I'm coming through the youth ranks, England, managing in Arsenal under 23. And that was a huge, huge reason why you look to to bring Kevin in. And it's no secret. I mean, like, this is one of those things like, oh, you don't want to let people know your strategy. It's like, so when I say we're focused on youth and like, look at our squad, like the the main core is 28 to 38 years old. Like Mm -hmm. we're not giving anything away saying we want to focus on youth and get faster and play with more pace and play more aggressively. It's like, that's like, should be obvious. Like I'm, so those are the types of things where I think other clubs or teams or, or franchises, the word you guys don't like to use in America, you don't want to give away any information or info. But it's like there's a lot of stuff that look, everyone knows that Crawley Town's current squad is pretty old. Of course, we're going to try to improve there, right? And so Kevin obviously is a big part of that. But so those are the types of things I think you can actually just talk talk about freely, and it's, it's really not that much downside there. So I'm glad you appreciated it. I think a lot of fans did as yeah, well. And, uh, we're, we're going to do something similar actually next week. Hint, hint for about one of our first signings, I believe. Oh. No, you don't, Grant's right, you don't see it, especially at, at this level. I think when you get to a, a higher level, there is a little bit more transparency because it's harder to hide things. And I think totally. that you know, yeah, yeah. they struggle to hide things. But at this level, from an ownership side of things, you don't see it. You don't see owners willing to come out and and basically give their game plan away. You know, and that's that's a confidence thing for me as well. It shows how confident you are in what you're doing. You're willing to say, not only are we 
you know, this is where I'm, what I'm going to do, but this is how I'm going to do it. Mm, and you're that yeah. confident in what you're going to do that you're going to, you're basically saying, I'm going to do it this way and you're not going to stop me. Um, <laughs> it's a good way. I've just had the fear of God put into me now where you're saying you're announcing a player next week. I'm just like that young player playing on the front foot. I just sit there and going to go, are we going to see Luke Molyneux in a Crawley shirt next year? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to set anything up in that regard. I think um, no, no, that's, no, it's it's more, it's not even necessarily announcing a player or a signing. It's more like we want to try to like go the like, another layer kind of similar to like how did we get to kevin petsy and so once we have our first signing it's like okay let's do a twitter spaces and talk through our discussion of why or how we found this center back or or we wanted to add a striker or whatever it may be and then that gives you a look into how we did it and then the the news is already there like oh that's the player so you know we're not like breaching confidentiality or Mm -hmm. we try to keep things within you know efl rules and regulations of course but yeah so i it's, I think you're safe, Grant, but nothing's ever 100%. Grant, that doesn't mean he's not yeah. signing for Bradford. I'm making a call right, <laughs> after, right after we hang up. Um, honestly, I would say do it. You will not be disappointed. Um, I do want to sort of – I, I want to draw an end to the, the, the crypto thing to move on to the, to the football side of things. But before we do, there's one thing that you said when you first came in, which was you want to be successful and promoted within two seasons. And if that doesn't work, I think you, I think the words that you said were you would stand for re-election. Was that correct? Am I right in that? Yeah. What does that mean? Because I I do, I can't understand how that works from, from an outsider, but this is what I mean when I say at League Two level, things happen at clubs and it doesn't really spread around the other clubs and the fans don't, of other clubs who are interested don't really see what's going on. So that's why we wanted to do this. But what does that mean in, in layman's terms? What, what would sure. that look like? So, and we realize and recognize it comes off extremely arrogant. Like we get it. We, we're fine. We, you know, we're going to sleep at night. It's okay. But one, we, we, we talked about it earlier a little bit. It's you have owners, especially in the NFL that have come in, they buy a new club, say, hey, we're going to be in the championship in five years. And they'll say that, but there's no downside, right? There's no accountability. And so we think ownership accountability, whether it's America or in the UK with football, like oh, there's no downside to owners. They're still rich. They still own the club. If there's if they're losing, it doesn't matter. It's always the coach's fault, the general manager's fault. Like those are the ones that are sacked. Like why why shouldn't the owners have accountability too? And so that was kind of our premise or our idea here was let's let's say we got two years to get promoted. And if not at that point, the fans get to vote us in or out, right? Like if they think we did a good job, we just didn't quite make promotion, but they're happy with other things we did, they can vote us back in. But at that point, they at least have the opportunity to have proposals from other members of our ownership group to say, like, hey, maybe we should do it this way, this way, this way. And therefore, then other, other people from our group could take over for a two-year window or whatever it may be. And so that's, that's the idea. It isn't that Wagman United would hurry and sell the club. It would just be yeah. um, the different people with different strategies would come forward and the fans get to pick the one they think best suits the club. We hope, obviously, Evan and I are here f- forever, but you know, the results ultimately dictate that and we want to be accountable to that. It's either our fault we didn't get promoted or it's our, you know, praise if we do. And so anyway, we just wanted to have actual, like we say, you know, you got to walk the walk, right. Or you, know, you can't mm-hmm. just talk the talk. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's a saying in the UK, but in America, yeah. that's yeah. like, and that's how it should be. So anyway, it was just, this just another part of another sector of just being transparent and open and trying to get things done and doing it in a unique way. Yeah. That, that's, that was the answer. Yeah, that's that's answered it for me because I couldn't understand if it was a case of in two years, if the fans aren't happy, you will sell. 
but to hear that it's there's other people in the group that are willing to I suppose in a way it's it's like stepping down as the owners and somebody Correct. stepping in and so no I I like I actually really, I actually really like that I think that's a really good way of the, doing it. the idea honestly stems from like Eben Smith my my partner's a huge New York Knicks fan and James Dolan is the owner of the Knicks I think it's been like 30 years running and the Knicks have just been mediocre despite having like the most money flowing to the club or the the, the franchise for 30 years, they've never really won anything. They've made a couple runs in the playoff, but like, and he's just like, James Dolan's the worst. Why is it that we have to just sit here and deal with James Dolan running this team, despite all the money advantage and resource advantages, they can't figure out how to win a championship. And it's that, that's the essence of like what we're trying to at least bring a potentially new method of, you know, running a, a sports organization. You see a lot, and you see a lot in football when you get fans fall out of ownership with with the chairman, like sack the chairman, sack the chairman. This is a chance. What you've said, if it's not working, to let them to use their ability to vote on that. Yep, exactly for change, putting your balls to the wall, basically. And yeah, there's a little that, pressure. That's yeah. a saying in America because that's yeah, yeah, yeah. really weird. <laughs> no, we, we got that one, Grant. It's okay. We don't need <laughs> subtitles on that one. Yeah. But no, that's that's an int- it's for me. I I think that's a very good way of doing things because what it also does is it forces you as owners to act to always be willing to to progress. Like there are certain clubs who, you know, like you say the. They bring a manager in, it doesn't work. The manager loses his job. The fans kick off, they bring in a new manager. Everyone's back on side. It doesn't work. The manager leaves. The owner just sits there and just continually gets gets away with it, really. And I think, it, yeah, the accountability, I think. We, we talk a lot about the EFL fit and proper tests because there are a few owners, you know, the two yeah, teams. They are- asked a lot. They asked us a lot about that on the internet right after yeah. the announcement was made. Well, are you they, sure they, you guys they, are fit and proper? Like, yeah. Well, this is, you look at, so Oldham and Scunthorpe who've just gone down, we've, we've covered them quite a lot. We've got a lot of their fans who've, who've been on and we've, we've done it completely. You know, no matter what we say, those owners aren't fit and proper. They, they, they're not fit and proper for the, for what they're doing. They, they don't invest, you know, every season the club goes backwards They've, they've been relegated, relegated, they've been relegated again. It, it just doesn't work. And the owner has no accountability. The owner of Oldham, for example, is sat now with a club in the National League who don't own all their stadium and he's unwilling to budge unless someone gives him £6 million. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. So, no, I, I, I actually really, really like that. One question we got was about branding. So... This is probably one of the more tougher questions, but it's not too tough. T- tougher branding. as far as like you're putting me on the spot? No, well, no, not necessarily oh, on, okay. the, on the spot. I suppose the answer could go one of two ways. It's either everyone's going to love the answer or everyone's going to hate the answer. Yeah. Um, okay. So branding, as far as long-term, the, the growth of, of the brand, where do you see that being? Do you see Crawley Town as a brand that can go global or would the global side of things be a Wagner United brand? Because for, for me, you look at, if I was not into football, but I was into NFTs and I was into crypto and I lived in, mm-hmm. let's say Japan, 
or China and I'm, I'm looking at that sort of thing and I'm looking at where I'm going to invest. Crawley Town, I don't think would stand out as a name for me, but Wagby United would. And that's just, you know, it's it's about the attractiveness of the brand. And so do you feel that Crawley Town is the brand that you can take worldwide or would it be Wagby United that was the, the, the brand outside of the UK? Sure. I think that's a good question. I'm not sure I even can tell you exactly or have a, an exact answer for you. I, I would say that right out of the gate, we're trying to make Crawley Town FC a global brand, right? A global club that everyone can attach themselves to and root for and, and be a part of and, and tell the story. So I guess my first thought was if Wagner United becomes a global brand, then Crawley Town must be as well. Like, I think they're kind of one and one they're together exactly how we're going to do it. Like, I mean, you know, we don't have everything planned out exactly. We don't know. I mean, we got crazy curveballs thrown our way nine days after we acquired and, and took over here. Like, we, we have a lot to do and a lot to, to, I think, kind of show that this playbook is has potential and is workable and is profitable. And then from there, if we have an opportunity to grow on any level, whether it's Crawley, whether it's Wagme, I think we're going to look into it and try to do it. But, yeah, so I think it's a fair question. I'm not sure exactly how the audience will perceive the reason why I, I said it that way is I'm not sure how the audience will react or, or perceive because you're right you might be in Japan and feel like oh I attached to Wagme but not really Crawley but if mm-hmm. Crawley Town's the genesis like foundation of what Wagme United is then theoretically like you're connected to Crawley too or you might have someone that's in you know Mexico near the United States that loves Crawley Town because they grew up playing football and they heard about the crypto stuff and I mean like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It could go either way. I think it's just going to come down to how the audience ultimately interprets it. And so I just don't think I have an answer ultimately, but uh, yeah, well, no, it's, a, it's a fair point to make. I think, I think the, I think the main concern of, of people would be, and, and you've seen it from your social medias, from the Wagme United social media, from certain posts that went out on Wagme United social media that then, you know, should have come from the Crawley town. And, you know, you you know what I'm talking about. It was, and yeah. I'm going to say something, like me, Grant and Chris, we, we don't have ties to Crawley town. We think that your social media is incredible. Like, we, <laughs> we think he's brilliant. Um, Though, saying that, when the first tweet went out about the manager leaving... Yes. I, 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 I was... Yeah, you can go back a couple of podcasts and hear what I said about that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't think that's the right move to make, doing it from that. And yeah, I was more the other side. But that will, that, that will <laughs> for me, the, the, the question, I suppose the overall question regarding the branding is Crawley Town as a name, as a brand, as a football club, is going nowhere. It will always yeah. be Crawley Town. Because I think people are concerned that Wagme United is essentially waiting in the background to become Crawley Town, that's not the case, is it? Is it oh, like an actual like name change or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah it's no. always going to be Crawley Town. Yeah, that's not in the play now. Yeah, it'll be Crawley Town Football Club. It's, I mean, I think occasionally they'll change the crest, but we're like we're not changing the colors. We're not planning to change the crest either. But I'm just saying it does happen. But like, yeah, yeah. that's not in the cards for us. It was if we're waiting in the wings for anything, it's just to get promoted and try to play at a higher level where people are just waiting for that. So, I mean, we just got to, that's our mission and we just got to make it happen. And hopefully if that's the case and everyone's rooting for us, you know, outside of the UK and everyone here hates us, which kind of goes to that kind of vibe and brand of the voice on, on Twitter with wag me versus like the actual Crawley Temple here. I'll be honest. It's kind of crazy that people care so much 
whether or not one account tweets it or not. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't actually matter. Ultimately, when they were mad that we were tweeting about it and not Crawley, but then we cut the season ticket prices by a third. Like people are like, oh, okay, we had to wait a few extra days, but <laughs> they survived, right? Like, just give us a little patience. We have your back. It's going to be okay. Yeah. doesn't matter what account it really is tweeted for. But I also respect that they want Club Matters tweeted from the Crawley Town account. We're going to do that more frequently when I come. A lot of the trolling stuff will be more wag me. I mean, like, we'll be able to kind of separate. And so if, if you appreciate that, guys, I know some of the people in our group will appreciate that you guys enjoy it. But some of the fans, like, couldn't take it, right? They were just like, what's going on here? You're always I had a lot of DMs that, that day, I'll say. Preston, yeah. you're always going to get that. It doesn't matter what you do on Twitter. You're yeah. always going to get that. You're always going to have the negative and you're always going to have the positive. So I make everyone happy. brush it off, honestly. I don't think there's yeah. an issue there at all. I think I think for me, look, looking at it, you I can understand why the Crawley fans maybe were a little bit agitated because especially when you were looking for a manager, everything was just up in the air. There was there was no everything was just so uncertain. Yeah. Whereas I think now, you know, once you make a few signings, once you've you know your manager's in place, you can probably get away with it a lot more. But like you say, if you're consistent and you're going to consistently do it, it's just going to be a case of when things go right, people will love it. When things don't go right, people are going to hate you for it. But, you know, it, it, it's, yeah, we, we because we do League Two as a generalisation here, we always, one week, if we praise one team, then their rivals don't like us that week because we've praised that team. And that's just, it's just the way that, that football is. Apart from Carlisle. Because apart from Carlisle, we've, we've, <laughs> we've all got this. We don't like Carlisle. And so far away. We, we just don't like them. We don't know why. They're closer <laughs> to me. They're That's closer true. to Grant. But yeah, we, we don't actually know why we don't like Carlisle. There's not actually a reason. It started as a joke in the voiceover at the beginning of the podcast, one episode. It started as a joke. And it, just from then, it's steamrolled. So we, yeah, we don't like Carlisle. So... Last last question from me, from me, and then I'll, I'll ask these two if they've got their last questions. But Kevin coming in as a manager, what's his setup going to look like? Is he going to be the one specifically looking to make the signings? Is he bringing in a you know a recruitment manager? Is there a director of football involved? What does that look like day to day for him? Is he going to be just solely focused on the things on the pitch, or is he going to be getting involved in in the transfers? So I'd actually be curious what you guys think about this because I know people hate the American comparisons, but this is like what I grew up seeing. And I'm just curious how you guys think it it, it relates. But in America, it's basically been proven time and time again that if you have the head coach trying to do all of the general manager stuff at the same time, like that's two different jobs. It's it's way less efficient to have the same manager doing that day-to-day coaching on the pitch while trying to do player recruiting and scouting and negotiate with agents, like all those things, like you're never going to do any of those very well if you're trying to do all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But for us, we think it's two different jobs. Now what's nice about Kevin. And so we went into the interview process as a whole and just, you know, we were, we were frank and blunt with some, some of the candidates we interviewed were like, Oh no, I want last say on everything. And that's a must. And it's like, okay, well, we'll see you later. Like it was pr- pretty easy for us to just say this is going to be a collaborative process. We have the data and analytics that are going to back a lot of our decisions. We have an actual like sporting director, data scientist that's also helping, but also used to coach in this in the in America and used to play in America. We have other third party consultants and scouts. We also have Kevin and his network and Dan and his network. 
it's like this collaborative process. If we have all this information and we can kind of put it together and then make the optimal decision, that's going to give us a much better chance. So Kevin's a part of it. But if we had him doing all of that while trying to coach day to day, we're not going to be as good of a football club. So for us, it just seemed obvious. But here, at least at the lower levels, I know at the Premier League or even Championship, they have different positions mm-hmm. and different um, uh, job titles, uh, is, is I guess how you would phrase it. But like, at least at League Two, we just noticed there's like quite a few clubs that have one guy. And you know, previously, that's how Crawley Town was running. And it's like, that's not a very efficient way to, to run the club. So anyway, I'm just curious if you guys had thoughts on that. But. Yeah, I think we, we all agree. I, well, I personally do. I, I do think it is filtering down to these leagues now. It is a very common thing. So I, I, it works. Of course it does. You know, it, it needs to be that a manager needs to focus or sorry, a coach needs to focus on the coaching. Right. You need to have, you know, head of recruitment who brings in the players, obviously discusses with the coach potentially about who he might bring in. It works. It's you know this this is where football has gone now and it works you know that that's how it is so for me yeah that's how it needs to be. Yep. It's very rare that you find a manager who can do it all these days. There's there's just so much that goes on. I think back in the day when it used to be a case of you'd you'd speak to an agent, you'd agree a contract, you'd make the signing, and they yeah. would play for you. There's so many other elements that come into things now. Players aren't just players, you know, especially as you get higher up, players are brands. They come with sponsorship. Mm. They come with, you know, there's the social media side for players. And you. so, yeah, I agree. You've got to have... Sports evolved. We need to evolve as clubs with the sport. Which is why, as I said, Grant, which is why I said crypto will work in football because we have to evolve. (laughs) We've went full circle here. <laughs> We've gone full circle. Um, Grant, Chris, have you got any last questions before we wrap up? We don't want to keep pressing too long. I've got one. Just, yeah, go on. Um, again, this is, a, this is a question from fans. When will your moonshine be available to drink in Reds? And what sort of price are you going to be charging, is what's been asked? I would have to ask Rona. So if they're a fan and they're listening, I'd have to ask Rona. I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. So I apologize. Well, you can tweet that one out when you find it because I've never had it. From which account? Which account should I tweet? (laughs) We'll tweet it from ours. (laughs) We'll we'll tweet it from ours and we'll just take the abuse. We love the abuse. Okay, Um, good. Chris, you had a question. No, I was just going to say thank you. Do you know, I think that this has cleared up a lot. I hope it has for for the the listeners. We've asked the right questions and we just really appreciate you coming on, Preston, spend some time with us to go through it. And yeah, awesome. Of course. Thank you guys. Happy to come back on anytime. Yeah, now you're going to hear the worst outro of any podcast <laughs> in the world. Do you clap walks. again or no? No, there's no clapping no. this one. I don't get involved in the outro. Grant walks us out and it's a rambling. Oh, it's a complete ramble. No, it's a complete ramble. So, guys, 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 ladies, gentlemen, whoever's listening, thank you very much for listening once again. I Don't forget, like us on Facebook, share it out on Facebook. Everyone share this episode on Facebook. I've loved this episode. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, follow us on Twitter, retweet it, quote tweet it, tell us what you think of the episode, tag a few of your friends in it. Um, yeah, let, let's get this listened to because I think this has been an awesome episode that we've had. I Don't forget, listen to us on Spotify. Give us a rating. Rate us five stars, please. We want to keep our five-star rating up this season. When you comment, say whatever the hell you want in the comments. We don't care at all. It doesn't matter. Just rate us five stars. Do the same on iTunes. I don't know how the comments thing works on iTunes. Rate us five stars. Guys, thank you once again. We have been the lower league. Look.